0: What's the state of the credit union today? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. I'm privileged today to be speaking with Gigi Hyland, board member with the National Credit Union Administration. Gigi, thank you so much for joining me again today.
1: Tom, it's great to talk with you again. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Well, Gigi, as we're sitting here today, so far this year there are six credit unions that have been liquidated. What would you say is the general state of the union? among the institutions that the NCOA oversees?
1: You know, Tom, the number of liquidations so far this year is actually roughly at the same pace as last year and is really not out of line with what we anticipated thus far. Um, As for the general state of credit unions under our supervision, we've seen some slight improvement and we're certainly uh, very hopeful that economic and other factors will continue this trend. You know, However, there's still a lot of volatility caused by a variety of unexpected factors, certainly over the last couple of years and really continuing into this year. So I I would hesitate to make any definitive predictions at this time. I guess, you know, the cautiously optimistic, which I know has been overused by this point, is what I would say. Um, You know, credit unions earned about 50 basis points on average in 2010, which is a significant increase over 2009. Uh, Loan losses and delinquency are slightly improved, but they still remain at high levels as of December 2010. And then, you know, to date for 2011, there have been six liquidations, as you noted, and in 2010 there were 28 failures. So, um, you know, bottom line, cautiously optimistic, um, but not going to make any predictions, certainly.
0: J.J., we've all learned a lot since the economic crisis. How would you say that your institutions operate differently today than they did prior to 2008?
1: I think they're using greater caution overall. They're certainly still struggling with loan growth and elevated levels of delinquency and losses, as I just noted. But for the last few years, we really have seen credit unions steadily and nimbly adjusting their expense levels to really provide them more legroom for the elevated loan losses, the stabilization costs, and the tightening margins. I think um, certainly directly related to what you do in terms of information security, um, information for credit unions. Credit unions really are leveraging technology to f- perform, I think, more in-depth analysis of portfolios and associated risks. They're also continuing to grow into the space of electronic electronic um, banking delivery channels, certainly including mobile banking. And uh, you know, NCU as as this is an emerging area, NCUA is weighing. Uh, guidance approaches for these types of emerging technologies. And, you know, I think last but not least, we continue to see um, uh, a marked increase or continued growth in real estate loans, and that's going to be a concern from our perspective because of the volatile economic environment that we noted, especially with respect to the yield curve and to interest rates. And you may um, know that at the, bar- the March board meeting, we did issue a proposed rule on credit unions' uh, management of interest rate risk and establishing interest rate risk policies. So those are issues that are certainly on our plate and that uh, credit unions are facing in 2011.
0: Gigi, one element there I want to follow up on, that's when you talked about mobile banking and the potential for for guidance for that and for emerging technologies. Would that guidance be independent of any guidance that might come from the FFIEC?
1: No, it wouldn't. We work very closely with our FFIC sisters and counterparts to make sure that we are in as much alignment as possible, but also recognizing the different business model that credit Ians have. So, um, you know, we work with them collaboratively in different committee meetings to make sure that uh, we're touching all the points that all of us are worried about. And so I would I would anticipate that we would certainly strive to, to issue a joint guidance uh, as much as possible.
0: Do you expect that mobile banking is a topic that specifically will be addressed?
1: You know, I think they're talking about it, but I don't anticipate a guidance being issued at any time in the near future. But I think uh, the point I want to make is that it's on certainly our radar screen as a regulator and insurer. I know, and I know it's on uh, it's on other regulators' um, screen radar screens, if you will, as well.
0: J D, one of the, two of the areas in regulatory compliance that have had so much interest are Dodd Frank and the Durbin Amendment. What impacts do you expect credit unions to feel from those reforms?
1: Well, let me start with Dodd Frank. As you know, uh, as the law currently stands, the three largest credit unions credit unions, those over ten billion dollars in assets, will be directly regulated by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau on consumer issues. While um, uh, while the rest will be subject to sort of regulations issued by the bureau. Um, you know, I guess there are three other areas specifically in Dodd Frank that that might affect credit unions. Uh, one is incentive compensation. That certainly does. Under that provision of the law, large credit unions are going to be required to report the structure of incentive plans annually once the rule is made final. And uh, again, we've issued guidance or a proposal on that in conjunction with our FFIAC um colleagues to uh reflect how that should be applied for credit unions and the the base of that would be a 10 billion dollar per threshold for that to apply. Uh mortgage reform is another area that maybe while not directly affecting credit unions certainly could tangentially there's there are provisions under title 9 of the Dodd-Frank Act that require the primary regulators for Wall Street and mortgage securitizers to establish rules requiring risk retention and that rule which is a huge 350 plus page long rule is out for comment. Uh, it requires a five percent retention by securitizers which could uh, trickle down to originators, i.e. credit unions for all mortgages that don't meet the what's known as the QRM standard, the qualifying residential mortgage standard. And so that's um, you know, that has, to, we have to keep our eye on that ball to see how it might affect credit unions. Uh, one, another provision that, that again, directly affects credit unions is the, uh, that Dodd-Frank made the $250,000 insurance coverage permanent and extended the unlimited coverage for non-interest bearing transaction accounts to the end of 2012. And then last but not least, I think the direct effect on credit unions, uh, for NCUA is the establishment of an Office of Women and Minority Inclusion and, uh, while there's no immediate impact in, in, on credit unions, Dodd-Frank really intended to sort of drive all of the regulators and the industry toward improved diversity. Uh, so that, again, that's a, that's a book that's unwritten, but, uh, we're starting to walk down that road. And then you mentioned the Durbin Amendment, Tom, and, uh, that certainly is the hot topic of the day. You know, interchange is, is being, uh, is being fought very heatedly among um, trade associations, banking groups, retailers, and certainly uh, Capitol Hill. And, you know, time will tell what will happen to the provision of, to that amendment or to the provision of, of Dodd, the Dodd frank Act in that regard. I mean, it's certainly not an easy issue, it's a very multi-dimensional issue, so, uh, you know, time will tell.
0: Judy, one of the questions that our audience certainly has been asking is, how will these reforms impact information security? and risk management within institutions. What's your perspective? Well, so
1: Dodd-Frank is largely a financial market reform law, and it's really, I think it's the FFIC that will continue to be the key source for the type of collaborative guidance and procedures related to information security that, we're, that we were talking about as it relates to emerging technologies. Um, in addition, the Financial Stability Oversight Council, FSOC, which was established under Dodd-Frank, is actually charged with ensuring financial stability and addressing systemic risk. So, to the extent that information security issues become viral or pose a wide-scale threat to the U.S. financial system, they could conceivably become issues addressed as well through uh, through this council through FSB.
0: To take a different path here, I want to talk a bit about fraud. We've talked a lot in banking about corporate account takeover. And we've talked about banks that have been affected. How have credit unions been impacted by the incidents that we've seen the past two years?
1: You know, from our perspective, we don't have a material level of takeover incidents reported through our examination system or through our security breach tracking tools. As you know, credit unions are are mostly consumer organizations with much more limited exposure to corporate account takeover type of attacks. But you know we're maintaining the awareness of commercial account ac- activity in the event that it necessitates some enhancements to our own monitoring or examination programs. And I guess um, you know most interestingly and recently there's certainly the results of the um, the survey that was done or the study that was done by Guardian Analytics. And um, I'm going to I'm not going to pronounce this right. P- Ponemon Institute. Absolutely. Uh, Right, indicate that the that the corporate account takeover and fraud that really are plaguing small and medium businesses and their financial institutions has certainly increased dramatically. And I guess from our perspective, that's really a clarion call for us to be much more aware of this issue. And so I think we're going back and we're looking at the guidance we've already put out just more generally on to credit unions on preventing, uh, you know, loss of member uh, private information or sensitive information and preventing malicious attacks. And, uh, you know, we've provided guidance already to credit unions on implementing multi-factor authentication on layered controls and other controls that would effectively mitigate um, some of the risks that we're seeing in that particular area. And obviously, you know, you're talking to a lawyer, not a technology person, but some of the malware infection examples that are given in that study, in terms of, um, you know, man in the browser, worms, logger, rootkits, based type of uh, comp- compromising of members' information, I think all of that um, continues to be at the forefront. And as you well know, this is an ever-evolving issue, and you just you can't run fast enough to keep up with all of the possible attacks that could happen. So we continue to encourage credit unions <clears throat> to enhance their network security, to enhance the security of their processes and protocols. And to make sure that they understand their responsibilities and liabilities in this area.
0: What are the types of fraud you find to be most impacting your institutions today?
1: Um, there are there are several. I mean, most of it is related to electronic fraud in the form of plastic card fraud and member identity theft. Those are f- by far the largest threats and concerns for credit unions. again, primarily because, as you know, these are really consumer based institutions. So, what we're seeing is, um, I'll give you several examples, you know, ACH fraud uh, we've seen uh, in, in some instances where fraudsters typically obtain members checking account numbers and, and their routing numbers and then transfer unauthorized funds. Um, wire transfer fraud where, again, a fraudster would steal a member account number and commits some sort of criminal activity involving electronic transferring of money from one account to the other. Uh, ATM Um, You know, sort of a classic example where perpetrators would place the the skimmer over the ATM card slot to swipe and store uh, members slash victims' debit card numbers and also using a hidden camera to read the pins that members enter into an ATM machine. You know, insider fraud we've seen fairly significantly over the last couple of years where a trusted employee – Uh, and or contractors taking advantage of their, their granted access privileges to access and steal member account information. And then certainly credit and debit card fraud where, uh, you know, can take many forms in, in some of the ones that I've listed. In terms of actual losses for NCUA at credit unions, we actually recently completed a review of 27 of the credit union failures between May 2004 and April 2010. And in 13 of the 27 cases, Fraud was the cause of the of the failure and the losses to the to the National Credit Union Share Insurance Fund. So, um, you know, and some of them are are very they're very sad cases in which sometimes we see a manager who's worked at the credit union for you know decades um, committing fraud by uh, ha- often having two sets of books or um, not providing the uh, the share and download information to us as the regulator. So. Um, you know, some scary stuff and some concerning stuff. And, you know, we certainly continue to ask credit unions to, you know, do as much as they can to make sure that they have appropriate internal controls to try to avert the the risk of fraud as much as possible.
0: JJ, as you know, there's, a, there's pending guidance from the FFIEC. How do you expect this guidance will help the credit unions to be able to fight fraud and improve the security of online banking?
1: You know, I think it'll help in that it's really meant to be an update, a supplement to to reinforce the 2005 guidance um, that was offered in terms of the risk management framework that was provided back in 2005, and I think to also update the FFIC agencies' expectations regarding customer authentication and layered security and other controls to effectively control and mitigate the risk not only by fraudsters, but but also by cyber cybercriminals. Uh, so I, I think it will be an important update, again, given the dynamic um, uh, fluidity of the change in this area and trying to keep up essentially with all of the, the um, cybersecurity threats that are posed to financial institutions.
0: When do you expect the final guidance will be released?
1: Yeah, I know that's that's a question that a lot of people have asked us since it was uh, out there for a little while and then got pulled back. You know, we're actually awaiting. We NCUA are actually uh, anxiously awaiting for the final green light from the last regulatory uh, agency who's reviewing this. As you know, in the FFIC process, uh, we all have to to be in agreement before it actually gets issued. And so the vetting process within each agency sometimes is more protracted more more protracted than in other agencies and. You know, we're waiting essentially and working with the other regulators to try to come together and agree on the final guidance so that we can issue it, uh, hopefully as, as expeditiously as possible. So it it is still being worked on, and and we are very anxious to have it uh, issued to to everyone.
0: Do I understand that it's down to one agency left to sign off on it?
1: That's correct.
0: Very good. Yep. What advice do you offer to institutions now? I know that the banks and credit unions are out there, and they certainly have poured over the draft update and are changing their programs and their budgets to accommodate that. They want to comply with expectations. What should they do now?
1: You know, I think it's um, it's staying abreast of you know all of the literature that's that's out there and any intelligence you know intel on the most recent security threats to financial institutions. As I said earlier, security needs to ke- keep pace with the threat environment. So credit unions need to recognize that online transactions are really un- unattended transactions and can quickly uh, uh, quickly result actually in material losses, not only in financial terms, but also in reputation terms. And I don't think I need to tell that to credit unions because I think that's that's sort of intuitive. But um, performing periodic risk assessments focusing on authentication and related controls I think is something that credit union management needs to think about and needs to do and then credit unions I think need to adjust their member authentication controls and security controls as appropriate based on the results of the risk assessments that you see. Uh, you know there's no um, again I don't think there's any perfect solution because it is an ever-evolving Process the credit unions need to really try to stay ahead of the curve and be aware as much as possible uh, about you know the entry points that are obvious and not so obvious uh, in their in their systems and their processes to try to um, mitigate as much of the risk as they possibly can.
0: Very good, Gigi. I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much, Tom. Again, appreciate the opportunity.
0: We've been talking with NCOA board member Gigi Highland about the state of credit unions. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.